On today's show, Trent Forrest is back with the Hawks. We'll be answering some mailbag questions as we get ever closer to Media Day, training camp, and the 2023-24 season. All of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1549 of the Lothar Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday afternoon slash evening. And today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. And also at the top of the podcast, I should encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day here at the Lothar Hawks podcast. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and uh, please tell a friend about the show as well. Today's show, some news at the top of the podcast, and then your mailbag questions where you're digging closer and closer to media day and all that fun stuff that's coming as we're already into mid-September now, and the fun is uh, certainly approaching rapidly. But there was some news, some legitimate, like, actual basketball news on Tuesday, and that was that the Hawks signed Trent Forrest to a two-way contract. Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype reported the news first. I confirmed it shortly after that with the Hawks then announcing it uh, later in later on on Tuesday evening. I joke with someone offline that actually had Trent Forrest on my Hawks salary cap sheet for about six weeks, and that actually was true. So let's just say this move is not a surprise at all to me. Um, if you haven't been following this every in and out, you know I know it's the dead zone in some respects, all the fringe stuff on the roster. Not everyone knows every transaction cycle, all the details. I discussed this back in July a little bit, but basically Forrest was given a qualifying offer from the Hawks after he finished last season on a two-way with Atlanta. That made him a restricted free agent meaning that the Hawks could match any offer from any other team in the NBA if they wanted to. And also, crucially, the qualifying offer for a player that is finishing up a two-way is just another two-way. So basically, that meant that unless Forrest got a deal from another another team that was actually going to be paying him more than that, number one, the Hawks could have matched that if they wanted to, but unless that actually happened and an offer sheet was signed, or if you wanted to go overseas or something like that, which could happen, like Forrest is the kind of guy that actually could make some real money in Europe. Anyway... The Hawks just had basically a two-way deal sitting out there for him all summer long. And the entire time, I have basically assumed that it was way more likely than not. Not an absolute lock, but certainly very likely that Forrest would be back with the Hawks on a two-way. And that's what was happening. Also, importantly, the Hawks uh, this year, there are three two-way slots. And the Hawks only have two guys in their two-way slots. And they're always, at least they, um, at least from what they've done in recent, year, <clears throat> recent years, they're always going to fill those slots. I think the assumption for me and many others was that they were kind of just waiting for Forrest to be the third guy. And that's what happened at this point in time. Um, so anyway, you know, it is what it is. He's back on a two-way contract. In terms of basketball stuff, Forrest, if you don't know anything about him, is a very helpful piece on a two-way deal. If you're an everyday listener, forgive me for this repeating of myself, but I generally that there's kind of like two different general paths for two-way signings. There's one path that's like developmental guys who are like high upside. They're pretty young, kind of more like home run swings. Like Donovan Williams, who was already coming gone from the Hawks, was more like that, like a 21-year-old guy with some real upside and burst. Then there are guys who are maybe a little bit older or like more low ceiling or limited athletically, et cetera. They can kind of help you in the short term if you absolutely need them. Like think Shawnee Brown uh, as one of those guys. You know, Miles Norris is more of a long-term piece. They just drafted him. But like they've done some of these like you know lower ceiling guys and Trent Forrest is more of the latter. It's more like he's not going to blow your way, and but he is very solid. In fact, I would argue he would be a guy that like it, it would have been reasonable to pay him the minimum. 
this year, and they have him on a two-way contract. is pretty solid. Um, he is 25. He played 23 games for the Hawks last year in Atlanta. He's a very, very good defensive player, and that's kind of what I would lean in as sort of his calling card at the NBA level. Also a good, like, dribble pass dribble pass guy. I won't say shoot, uh, but decision-making is very, very strong for Trent Forrest. He's legitimately like 6'3", 6'4", and honestly, I think he's probably the best guard defender on the entire roster. That probably was the case last year as well against like their guys. So Aaron Holiday is a good defender, but he's so small. Um, Forrest is much thicker and taller and crucially than Aaron Holiday. Um, and, you know, they had DeJounte Murray. I understand that. But like I would probably say like if the only again, the only question would be like, who is my choice to just defend? Let's just say like an elite point guard who's a point guard size player. So someone like you know, Damian Lillard or John Morant or Steph Curry. Um, I think I would probably choose Trent Forrest. Um, that isn't like an absolute lock, but he would be high, high, high on that list. Get more of the Hawks are. And, you know, some of the better defenders, like your, your Jalen Johnson types, like you don't want necessarily Jalen guarding like a point guard size player. DeAndre Hunter, not necessarily that the best of that either. So uh, anyway, it's sort of a small thing, but certainly that's something you can maybe circle for Trent Forrest. Um, the trouble, of course, with him and why he's available right now in September for a two-way contract is that Trent Forrest offensively is very limited. Um, you know, he can't really run a pick and roll at a high, high level. He can like do basic stuff. He can operate a little bit, but he's not going to be getting you into your offense as a primary point guard much of the time. And he's a very, very limited outside shooter, which is why he's available again. Like, I think if Trent Forrest could shoot 35% from three, he would be a definite NBA, you know, backup guard. Not, not a starter, but certainly a guy who could be um, more of a firm rotation guy for some teams. But because of the shooting and the limitations there, he is a very limited player. No matter what, though, like I think it'll be a lot like last year might would be my estimation. Obviously, this is pre-training camp, so we're all a little bit guessing on this. But I would imagine he'll be in College Park some. He'll be in Atlanta some uh, on that two-way contract when they have availability. Like the Hawks do have a full roster. So, you know, roster limitations are interesting and all that stuff. But um, if somebody gets hurt, like if they lose Trey DeJounte for a couple of weeks, you're definitely going to want to have Trent Forrest around for defense. They do other have they do have other guys. You know, Patty Mills. Of course, they have Cody Bufkin now as well. But I think Forrest is another depth piece. And, you know, their two-way guys right now are Seth Lundy, who is much more of a wing, and then Miles Norris is more of a four. And, like, you know, it makes sense to have kind of, like, all the boxes checked under two ways. So, Forrest is kind of boring, a guy that I kind of probably appreciate more than most. But I think a guy that certainly can help an NBA team if he if it's, if it's needed, a good guy by all accounts. And also, one more thing here of note, and one of the reasons that I was pretty confident he'd be back is that Trent Forrest played for Quinn Snyder in Utah. So there's a relationship there, a familiarity there with Snyder and Forrest. That probably helps all things equal. Obviously, Quinn's not like making all decisions with the roster, but he did play for him in Utah. He was around last year as well. That's sort of a, a pretty interesting sort of, you know, one of those things to kind of note. Anyway, I like Trent Forrest. I think on a two-way, you can't uh, ask you can't ask to do too much better on this role. Obviously, there are guys with more upside, no question about that. But Trent Forrest is sort of, is sort of plug and play backup guard is a pretty good get if uh, if you if he's available to you. And they obviously was for the Hawks on a two-way contract. Okay, that's all I have for that on the lead segment. We'll come back with more on like the NBA rule changes behind uh, resting, which is coming up pretty soon. Also, some mailbag questions on like campaign and a top 100 list for our French Howard Jones. And also uh, maybe some stuff on the, on the interest in the Sacramento Kings this year from the Hawks standpoint. Anyway, all that's coming up later in the show, but first it worked from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during unexpected times. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It gives you peace of mind that you're not trying to just hope that you have the access to that you need to the medication that you are looking for in case of an emergency. 
Jace Medical also makes sure that you have your medication in hand, and it's very, very simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to the licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. With Chase Medical, you won't be caught unprepared, which is something that I definitely know is quite valuable. As a listener or viewer to this podcast, you can also save more than $360 by getting life-saving antibiotics from Chase Medical, plus get an additional $20 off by using the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. One more time, jacemedical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, and some more news here. Uh, Woj and Shams, among others, reported on Wednesday that the NBA Board of Governors voted to add on to the resting policy rules about national TV games and in-season tournament games, also setting multiple offers at the same time. There are increased fines for teams that are kind of defying NBA rules up to a million dollars or more for the third and fourth and fifth offenses if you are uh, sort of an offending team there. In the current form, I would guess this is not going to be a huge issue for the Hawks. Um, for one thing, it could change this year. Obviously, Quinn's now more firmly in the mix, but you know, under Nate, the Hawks really didn't rest guys very much at all. And uh, you know, they only uh, part of this is that I'll just throw this out there now. There's a new rule that got the most attention probably today that no more than one quote unquote star can rest in the same game without an actual injury. Hilariously, a team like the Nuggets, like actually the Nuggets, who just won the championship, I might remind you, does not qualify because they only have one guy who meets the criteria, and that's Jokic. Jamal Murray has never been an all-star. So basically, the qualifications are that you basically have to have been an all-star or an all-NBA selection within the, the three previous seasons. So Jamal Murray is kind of a weird outlier case, never been an all-star. But the Hawks do have two guys that qualify. Trey and DeJounte have both met that qualification because DeJounte made the all-star team two years ago in San Antonio. So um, this is something that could affect the Hawks. Basically, the Hawks can't within following the rules, rest Trey and DeJounte on the same night on a back-to-back without a reason or unless they just want to pay the fine. But still, again, it would probably take some, some circumstances beyond the norm to kind of have that done, but they won't be able to, I guess, legally punt on Trey and DeJounte at the same time. Um, so that's that's one thing. Under the new policy as well, teams have to basically ensure that star players are available for national TV games and also the first season of the in-season tournament games. So basically, if you're going to rest a guy on a back-to-back, you need to do it on the games that are not national TV. Of course, it's harder for teams like the Warriors, who have a lot of team TV games, Lakers, etc. Hawks don't really have a lot of those, so that's not a huge concern, but it's worth noting. Uh, also, an exception and sorry, an expectation of balance, quote unquote, between sitting stars in home games and road games. And the league actually said in their memo that they preferred that stars sit home games, which might sound weird because you don't want to have your home fans upset. But presumably, it's that opposing fans in markets who are coming to see like one guy once a year, like your Stephs or LeBrons or Trey or whoever it is, um, won't be let down by that. So that, that's part of that. Also language in this memo from the league about uh, basically that's sort of pushing back on long-term shutdowns of top guys, unless there's actually an injury, like even for bad teams, like for instance, the examples that were kind of kicked around today that I saw were like Bradley Beal in Washington or Damian Lillard in Portland the last couple of years is like guys who like probably could have played at the end of the season and then didn't. There'll be an investigation if that happens again for competitive balance reasons, which probably makes sense in some respects. Then there's the one that we already kind of knew about with the new rules about like 65 games as a threshold for awards geared towards, again, stars playing in games. So all that said, personally, I think it's all kind of overkill, especially the one with the award voting. I kind of hate that. Um, I do wish that the league would simply like eliminate back-to-backs. I know that would probably result in less games. Um, but that would fix a lot of the issues. They just won't do that because of money. And I guess I understand that, but it's that they kind of create new challenges for themselves. 
Plus, I think that NBA teams are probably smart enough to cite some real injuries. Like, listen, by the time you get to November, or even December, January, everyone in the league has something they can say is an, is an injury or an ailment of some kind. Even if they're playing every game, guys have sore knees, guys have sore feet or sore backs or whatever. So, like, that'll be interesting to see how that's sort of navigated by some teams, like the Clippers, for instance, who rest guys all the time. Anyway, um, there are some exceptions, according to the memo from the league, that was uh, announced for personal reasons or previous injuries or pre-approved back-to-back restrictions on like age. Like, I don't, I wonder if Kawhi will get an exception because he has this, like obviously some injury issues um, or, you know, old guys like Chris Paul or LeBron or guys who have been around for a very long time. Career workload is the way that they kind of put that or, uh, you know, injury history. Like for instance, the funny one, I know my, my friend Josh Lane for Peachtree Hoops back in the day um, asked this question to me on, online the funniest in some ways guy who qualifies under this provision is Ben Simmons, but he actually may be exempt because of these of the serious injury history uh, listing there. So anyway, that was the big news on Wednesday. We'll see how it affects things. But um, as a Hawks observer on a Hawks podcast, there probably won't be a ton of impact there. Trey likes to play, doesn't like to sit. And the guys who I think the Hawks should probably manage more, your Bogdanovich's, your Capella's wouldn't qualify anyway. So they, don't, they, won't, they won't have the same scrutiny on those guys. If they were to rest them as they would if they were trying to rest Trey and Dejounte. Um, that's it for that on the news front. Um, now some mailbag questions for the rest of the podcast. And I appreciate everybody getting those in. Again, three places to send questions, uh, either on Twitter at BT Roland or at Locked On Hawks. Also, you can send them to me at LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. And then also, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can add the question to your review if you want to have that be another pathway to submit a question. First one on today's show comes from Nick, who says, should the Hawks be in the market for campaign or is Patty Mills going to keep them from trying? Um, For some background here, as of Wednesday early evening, campaign is still a free agent. He got traded to the Spurs and basically what amounted to a salary dump move by the Suns earlier this summer. The Spurs um, don't really have much use for him as a rebounding team, so they're, they got to pick him a deal. They're waving him. Um, Payne's 29 now, a fairly competent like backup point guard type for the last couple of seasons in Phoenix. We've seen him kind of be overstretched a little bit when Chris Paul was hurt, and he's not very efficient by any means, but he's a you know league average backup point guard, which is not a bad thing to have on your roster. I would imagine he's going to sign somewhere pretty quickly on the minimum. Uh, it may have already happened again in the near future. But on the Hawks side, I would guess this is not going to be what happens. I, I wouldn't totally rule it out either. I've heard nothing about interest from the Hawks. Is obviously, this is pretty new information, um, which I should at least note. And the Hawks, uh, importantly, have a full roster right now. 15 players on guaranteed deals, plus all three two-way spots now that Trent Forrest is signed. Um, also, the Hawks have nobody that's non-guaranteed. So, like, they waived they, they waved B. Krejci. And really, the only way that I can see the Hawks – even getting involved on in campaign would to be like maybe to cut or trade Patty Mills, which I wouldn't like project to happen. It could happen. I suppose if the Hawks just said, if the Hawks thought I should say campaigns like way better than Patty Mills, et cetera. But personally, I wouldn't just cut Patty. I think I could definitely see thinking that pain is better, but for one thing, pain's going to probably have better offers somewhere else with more like direct paths to playing time. Like on a team with Trey and DeJounte, there isn't going to be a lot of playing time at point guard, unless you have an injury. And, you know, realistically, It'd be a lot to coordinate. So I think that campaign, if I had to guess right now, again, on Wednesday, the 13th of September, he probably gets a better offer for him playing time-wise than Atlanta could offer, even if they wanted to create the space to go ahead and offer that. So I would guess no, but Payne's a real guy on the backup point guard spot. And if the Hawks weren't like in love with their options, I would get it, but I wouldn't project that to probably happen at this point in time. Okay, more to come on today's podcast, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. 
Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the already happening NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, if you're a new customer, bet $5 to get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, every customer who bets $5 can also get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV at this point. Beyond the awesome perks of signing up, FanDuel has point spreads and over-unders and money lines, player props, and much more. And the app is safe and secure with FanDuel. They cover the whole range of sports for your viewing and handicapping pleasure. That includes the NFL, of course, college football, NBA, MLB, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, and much more. And now is the best possible time to join the FanDuel ranks. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season right now with an offer that you absolutely do not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, question from Calvin, who says, is CBS serious with their only two Hawks in the top 100? Where is Bogey? Where is Capella? Where is Hunter? Where is Bay? Where is even Jalen or AJ? Um, <laughs> before I answer this, I just want to shout out my friend and regular podcast guest, Tyler Jones, who absolutely hates top 100 lists and rankings. So Tyler, if you're still listening, this one's for you, my guy. I'll probably do a top 100 roundup at some point. I'm not going to break down all these lists individually. It's just too much and they're too tedious and all that stuff. But as I record this, the only one that I have seen from a major source is CBS. And I got a question about it, actually more than one question about it. So that's why I'm ask, uh, answering this now. Uh, I should disclose this. I technically work under CBS slash Paramount but I work for Sportsline and that I had nothing to do with this list. So I have no conflict of interest. I just want to say that out loud. I do technically kind of work there. Um, on to the rankings though. And again, not the only question I got about this, but Calvin's was the funniest. So I shared that one. Um, no surprise. Trey and Ajante are the two players that were listed. Uh, Trey's 21st. That's lower than I would have him, but it's not like totally insane. I would guess he'll be lower on somebody else's list or maybe more than one list. So I, no outrage here. That's fine. Uh, I'm higher on that, but I get it. Uh, DeJounte fell 10 spots or so to 52 by CBS. That's like defensible after last year, defensively in particular the way he played. So not really outraged there either. From there, though, the issue that Calvin notes is that there are only two guys on the list, which I disagree with. Um, I, I do acknowledge I am higher on Clay Capella than most people are. But the fact that Capella is not on a top 100 list right now at full health in 2023 is just wrong. It's just... I think it's pretty insane. All that said, if it was a future list, sure, leave him off. He's 29 years old. He might decline at some point. He already is not quite as springy as he used to be. But um, because we kind of know, like he's not 35. He's 29 years old. And if you go off off of last year, he was very obviously a top 100 player in the league. That's one thing. Um, I'd have him in the top like 70. That's kind of where I think Clint is, and maybe even higher than that. Uh, I think uh, in his his best year with the Hawks, I had him in the top 50. Uh, I wouldn't say he's quite that anymore, but um, firmly top of her guy. For instance, like some guys, in the, like just to give you some context, guys that did make the list. This is the no order, but like Bruce Brown. I like Bruce Brown a lot. Capella's better than Bruce Brown. Uh, Grant Williams, Markel Fultz, Alperin Sengun, who like, again, like future-facing Sengun, offensive player, really intriguing. And defensively, he's really bad. All that stuff. Those guys like are not. I mean, it's not even it's not even a biased thing. It's it's they're very very clearly not better than Capella right now. Again, short-term this season alone. For instance, another one, like I'm not picking on these guys who I like quite a bit, but like Scoot Henderson and Chet Holmgren and even Wemby are on this list. And rookies are generally bad. Like I'll be fairly surprised if all three of them, I'll be shocked. If one of them is better than Clint, maybe I could see that. But like even Chet, I know Chet's not like a rookie rookie, but like he hasn't played basketball in the NBA. And it's 
short term, like it's just more one of those things where uh, I just philosophically disagree. So Clint's kind of a boring pick. I get that, but he should be on there. Uh, I won't keep ranting and raving, but uh, no chance that I would have him off this list. Um, I also have Boogie on the list. Now that one, I can at least understand a little bit more. He's in a limited role. He didn't play a ton of minutes last year, but I do think that he is better than some guys on the end of this list. That one is less crazy to me, but I would have Bogey in my top 100. He would be near the back of it because of the limitations that he has uh, for minutes. But like, you know, I'm not going to cite FIBA as like an all be all, but like, it's a good reminder of what Bogey actually can be sometimes. Um, so he'd be there for me. Uh, I have no issue at all with Hunter not being on the list to the question that Calvin asked. Like, in fact, I would not have Hunter on my list for the way he has played. Again, future facing, maybe. Um, the tools there are interesting, but he's not quite performed at that level for a full season. Same with Sadiq Bey, who was really good offensively last year when he got to Atlanta, but also really bad defensively. Um, honestly, I would have a Kongwu as a consideration. Um, I get why he's not for most people, because he hasn't played that much and the role isn't there. But just as far as like, empirically, like, how good is this player? he's better than a lot of these guys I've listed as well. And like, I, I think he's better than Hunter and he's better than Bay at this point. So anyway, I think Capella being left off to answer the question is pretty darn crazy. And then bogey would be a guy that I would just kind of add on at the end of at the top of her list. If I had to choose at this point. Okay. Last question on today's podcast comes from Howard who says, what exactly are we rooting for with the Kings this season? And will we get it? And presumably we here is the Hawks. Um, I am very sure this will come up again. In fact, I have an ask out to someone who covers the Kings to talk about the Kings um, on this podcast because it's going to be something that Hawks fans should be monitoring and rooting for. And the diehards already know this stuff, so my apologies. But, like, the Hawks have a pretty interesting rooting interest in the Kings this year. So last year, there was some confusion because the trade happened a year plus ago. And some people, I'm not saying a lot of people, but some people thought the Hawks were rooting against the Kings last year, which didn't happen. Uh, which actually would have been good timing because the Hawks, sorry, the Kings made the playoffs last year for the first time in a long time, but that was not the pick that was in question. So this goes back to the Herder trade. That's what we're talking about here. The, the Hawks acquired a protected first round pick from the Kings in exchange for Herder. And of course they got Justin Holiday in that deal. Mo Harkless who they then traded later on, et cetera. Essentially the Kings owe their 2024 first round pick to the Hawks if it falls outside the lottery. So basically if the Kings make the playoffs this coming season, the Hawks will have their pick. That's a very simple way to put that. And that's the eight-team playoffs. So, like, get out of the play-in and make the top eight playoffs in the West. The Hawks will have that pick no matter where it is. It could be 15th. It could be 30th. If the Kings are the one seed in the, in, the, in the West, it could be 30th. But if the Kings fall short of the playoffs, that pick rolls over to 25. And in 25, it's top 12 protected. So if, it's fall, if it falls outside the top 12, the Hawks get it. If it doesn't happen again, it's top 10 protected in 26. And then after that, there is a pathway. In fact, um, if the Kings become the Kings again, or the Kangs, then the uh, the bad version of the Kings, then the Hawks would get two second round picks in 2026. So that would be pretty brutal if the Kings, after making the playoffs last year, missed the playoffs and had top 10 bad badness, basically, in three straight seasons. That'd be awful. But if it happened again, they would get two, two, two second round picks, one in 2026 and one in 2027. So... As far as the, the question of what the Hawks are rooting for, the ideal scenario would be the Kings getting the eight seed in the West. Now that's a very narrow ba- pathway, but the best case scenario for the Hawks would be the Kings having the worst record in the West that made the playoffs. And that would be picking 15 or 16 in the coming draft. Um, something like that. Now there's an argument the Hawks could get greedy and hope for a better pick later on 
especially because the 2024 draft projects to not be a very good one. But if it's me, I would encourage you to root for the Kings to make the playoffs. Just make sure the, the pick comes, especially that I could be wrong. I don't think the, the Kings have like top five team in the league upside this year. I could be wrong about that. But if it's a pick between 15 and 22, like just take the pick, I would say, if I'm the Hawks. Um, all that said, hopefully that answers your question in some respects. Like, again, the best case scenario would be the Kings would be the seven or eight seed in the West. Um, as to whether that will actually happen, I'll have more on this again in the future, um, hopefully with someone who covers the Kings. I think it's a pretty good chance to be a good spot for the Hawks. Like, for what's, for what it's worth, the Kings had the best health in the entire league last year, like by a decent amount. And they were good, but they weren't that good. To be as healthy as they were, like they were the three seed in the West, which is a really impressive season. But I think true talent-wise, true performance-wise, if you factor in everything else, they were probably more of a middle-of-the-pack playoff team in the West. Like a lot went right for Sacramento. Now on the other side, like they had two really good players. They have Fox and they have Sabonis. Um, guys who I would describe as like more fringy all-stars than like top 15 guys, but they're really they're good players, obviously, very good players. And a pretty interesting infrastructure. Like they had an awesome, awesome offense last year. Herder was part of that, unfortunately, for the Hawks. Um, but all that said, like they, they have a good roster. It, it is a pretty good roster. But I think a lot went right last year, and the Kings were still got the 24th pick in the draft. So with some regression, it's kind of the sweet in the sweet spot for the Hawks. I'm not saying the Kings can't repeat last year because they can. But I think some projections that I've seen out of FanDuel is one that, of course, the sponsor of this podcast and all of our podcasts, the podcast network. FanDuel has them as more of like a, you know, six seed, seven seed kind of team in the West, which, again, is what the Hawks want them to be this year. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're sort of a believer in the market, I think this is kind of a good thing for the Hawks. It's not a trade that I would have made. And I said that at the time. And it was definitely motivated by money more than basketball, no matter what the Hawks, te- what the Hawks will tell you. But, um, and that's frustrating to fans, I'd imagine, but it would be way better off to get a first round pick that's a decent pick this year to make that trade look better. Honestly, at at the time the pick was made, I said on this show and I meant it, there was a chance, like a decent chance that that pick never came because the Kings have been so bad for so long, but they showed real growth last year. They were a good team. And again, if you're aiming for a win total, you want the Kings to have like 43, 44 wins this year would be the best case scenario for the Hawks picking in the top 15 to 18 with that pick. And of course, Atlanta, you want your own pick uh, to be, you know, it is what it is, but uh, better, uh, sorry, worse, because that means you're better on the court. And then of course the Hawks have the picks that they owe later on and the Senate to the Spurs, more draft capital is better and having that pick come and hopefully be a decent, a decent pick in the first round would be helpful for Atlanta. So hopefully that's a decent answer for you. And again, we're going to have at least one more, like almost full podcast dedicated to this because I know the sickos out there. Um, I can name some fans that I know and interact with all the time that will be tracking this for sure. I know in, in the past when the Hawks had picks from like OKC that were protected, uh, we used to do the ping pong chronicles at Peachtree Hoops when I ran when I ran that site that were just kind of following the way that was going to be happening in the lottery and uh, pick protections and all that stuff. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, like day-to-day following the Kings, but every so often I'll check out on the Kings, probably on this podcast briefly, and just say, hey, this is, this is what we're doing. And uh, we'll see how that how that all rolls at this point in time. All right, folks, that is all I have on today's podcast. If you have not subscribed to the show yet, I encourage you to go ahead and do that on your platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, for sure, on the audio side, places, you know, player.fm and Podbean and all kinds of places, Overcast. Um, if you enjoy Google Podcasts, all those places, if you like the show, the best possible way to support the podcast is to support our sponsors, 
and also to subscribe and download the show even multiple times across multiple platforms. That definitely very much helps. That includes YouTube as well. Just let YouTube run, watch it, watch it, listen to it, all that stuff. Uh, likes on YouTube are appreciated. Subscriptions are appreciated. And please share the podcast. We're getting close now to where like the more casual observers, who I'm not picking on, it's just the reality. The dead zone is going to be ending. The Hawks will get more attention. If you know a Hawks fan friend in your life, please subscribe them. Just go ahead and tell them like, hey, hey, you're subscribing to this podcast. I'm being funny. But of course, it would be nice if we had a little bit of a, a bump as the season arrives. So share the podcast with friends. Follow us on Twitter slash X at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you want to at BT Rowan. Follow my Patreon work, patreon.com slash BT Rowan. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast, everybody. We'll have one more show later on this week. And we'll see you all next time.